Welcome to Nobody Asked You Kevin. <laughs> So it's Halloween, my ghouls and goblins. It's time for trick-or-treating, and it's only fitting that episode 31 of this podcast drops today on October 31st, Halloween. I've got some goodies for you today, my friends. First, we're going to talk about and listen to some songs of the spookier side. All of these songs are perfect additions to your Halloween playlist, but all of them are also cover versions of songs. So here we go. First on the list is a cover of Donovan's 1966 psychedelic rock song, Season of the Witch. This year, American vocalist Lana Del Rey released a cover of this song for the horror film Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Fantastic film, great film for uh, kid introduction or an introduction to, for kids into horror. Lana Del Rey's version has this sort of vintage sound to the song. Uh, and that's what she is awesome at. She sings with this melancholic style, and it fix, fits very perfectly here. Uh, she manages to turn a very psychedelic rock song, because like I said, this was 1966. Donovan was a psychedelic rock artist. But she turns a psychedelic rock song into something very different. And I kind of liken it to this. So when Donovan sang the song, it was like he was running from the witch. But when Lana Del Rey sings it, she is the witch, and she's tempting you to visit her. So let's listen to a clip of this spooky song called Season of the Witch, which is covered by Lana Del Rey, being that witch. to see And when I look in my window So many different people to be They're strange So strange It's very strange to me you got to pick up every stitch you got to pick up Every stitch, you got to pick up every stitch. Oh no, must be the season of the witch. Must be the season of the witch. 
Next up, we have a song that is one of the most well-known rock songs out there, quite possibly for non-Halloween reasons. So just think Saturday Night Live and more cowbell. But I have always associated this song myself with the spooky season. And this song appeared on the soundtrack to the 1996 horror movie, Scream, one of the best slasher movies over the last few decades. The song is a cover of Blue Oyster Cult's Don't Fear the Reaper, and it is performed in this instance by Gus Black, an American director, singer, songwriter, producer. Um, uh, the song itself was originally written um, by Buck Dharma of Blue Oyster Cult, and as, as Buck Dharma was thinking about what would happen if he was to die young. The song is ultimately about the inevitability of death and the foolishness of fearing it. Um, let's listen to a bit of Gus Black's version of this classic rock song. He transforms this song into something quite different than the original version. Screamin' Jay Hawkins had a song in 1956 called I Put a Spell on You. And it is currently and has been for a long, long time a Halloween staple. It's an all-time song for all time. It's one of those songs that helped shape rock and roll music in the 60s, 70s, and even into what we know as rock music today. This version is well known um, because... It occurred because basically Screamin' Jay Hawkins and the band were really, really drunk at the time of recording the song. So who knows? Without alcohol, we may never have gotten this version of the song. Um, the song itself has been covered by many, many, many people throughout the last 60 plus years. But my favorite spooky version is one by M Marilyn Manson. And Manson released his version of this song on the Smells Like Children EP in 1995, which was produced by Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails. Um, the EP also contained the more famous, and in my opinion, the best cover song of all time, uh, where Manson covered the eurythmic Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. And kind of as a side note, um, the EP contains, if you've never listened to or, or looked at this EP, it contains some of the better song titles you will ever hear, ever. Songs like Shitty Chick, I can't even pronounce it, Shitty Chicken Gangbang, Kitty Grinder, Everlasting Cocksucker, <laughs> May Cause Discoloration of the Urine or Feces, and probably my favorite, Scabs, Guns, and Peanut Butter. 
pretty much covers it all. Scabs, guns, and peanut butter. Anyways, let's get back to the, the spooky songs. Let's listen to a clip of Manson's version of this spooky, iconic song, I Put a Spell on You. So Pet Cemetery, the movie, was released in 1989. You know, the movie about an ancient burial ground, a cemetery for pets, the sour ground, and animals and people coming back from the dead a bit changed? Well, Stephen King himself invited legendary punk band the Ramones over to his place one night. Stephen King gave Dee Dee Ramone a copy of the Pet Cemetery novel. Dee Dee took to the basement and returned a short while later with lyrics to the song Pet Cemetery, which would eventually come to play over the end credits of the Pet Cemetery movie. The overall reception of the song wasn't great, but to me it's a Halloween classic. And guess what? In 2019, a new film version of Pet Cemetery was made and released. And in this version, the song again was actually included and covered by a pretty newish American punk rock band called Starcrawler. The song itself has a different feel to it than the Ramones version, but I love it. So let's listen to a clip of Starcrawler's take on Pet Cemetery. When you listen to Ben E. King's 1961 song, Stand By Me, I know for a fact you don't think about the spooky season. It's not a Halloween song. But enter a musician named Kai Theory. His real name is Joel Burleson, and he's from Virginia, but he is in the indie rock and electronic genres. Uh, you've probably heard his music in the past and you just don't know it. He's done some well-known remixes for Daft Punk, Kings of Leon, Queens of the Stone Age, Cypress Hill, Rob Zombie. 
Uh, his music has been featured on TVs and commercials, but it's this song that I first heard on an episode of the Fox TV series, The Following, which aired for three seasons and starred um, Kevin Bacon as an FBI agent who was hunting a serial killer portrayed by James Purifoy. A Kai Theory takes Benny King, Ben E. King's song and transforms it into something dark, depressing, haunting, possibly sinister, yet very, very beautiful. The song itself gives me chills every time I listen to it, and I think it's perfect for your spooky season playlist. Michael and Jermaine Jackson on backing vocals to your song, and you probably are going to have a hit. That's where Rockwell find, found himself in 1984 when he released his debut single, Somebody's Watching Me. It, it never hit number one in the U.S. because you had two other juggernaut songs out at the same time, which were Van Halen's Jump and then Kenny Loggins' Footloose. Uh, the music video for this song took the song's a paranoid tone and added kind of like a haunted house theme to it. There were floating heads, zombies, cemeteries, ravens, and even a shower scene that referenced uh, the Hitchcock film Psycho. Ultimately, this song has become a Halloween staple over the years. Uh, then along comes this group called Hidden Citizens, which I did not know a heck of a lot about Hidden Citizens. And this is verbatim off their website an underground group of creators that crafts top-tier content from outside the public eye. They have done a lot of music for television promotions, theatrical trailers, and in recent memories, you can hear their, their, their music and trailers for Ad Astra, Game of Thrones, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Alita Battle Angel, Atomic Blonde, Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, but it's this version of Rockwell's Somebody's Watching Me that I have on this list. This list. Um, uh, so we're going to listen to a clip of this version. It's, this has got a lot less poppy tone to it. And while it might not be the best fit for the spooky season, it's great. And it's on my spooky season playlist. i 
So I've talked about Ice Nine Kills in this podcast many, many times. I've seen them live several times. I talk about their music. They are my favorite metal band at the moment. And on their latest album, 2018 Silver Scream, they released a song called Stabbing in the Dark, which is based on the 1978 John Carpenter movie Halloween. It's a fantastic song, heavy and fast in parts, slow and melodic in others. It's a great Halloween song. I mean, it's based on Halloween, so it is a great Halloween song. But somebody else did a version of it. Trivium is an American heavy metal band, and Matt Heafy is the um, band's lead vocalist, and he's a guitar player as well. Uh, He has a very distinctive-sounding singing voice. And he streams daily on his Twitch channel, and you can find him on a ton of videos covering other rock and not rock songs on on YouTube. They upload them to YouTube. Um, He's a fantastic performer. So when I actually saw earlier this year, he covered Ice Nine Kills Stabbing in the Dark. It appeared on his channel one day, and it is fantastic. It's a very, very different version of, of Ice Nine Kills' fast electric version and even better because of this cover that he did on his own YouTube channel, which you were about to hear a, a, a clip of, he actually collaborated on an acoustic version of this song with ice nine kills, which ice nine kills just released the other day on a deluxe version of their silver scream album, which is named the silver scream, the final cut. So you can find this song in um, their uh, their album, the final cut version, the deluxe version, and with Matt Keefe on it. And so, or I say, keep saying Keefe, it's Heafy. I'm not sure why I keep doing that, but uh, you can find uh, it a collaboration between the two on that album. So let's listen to just a bit of him doing his own thing with his own version of Stabbing in the Dark. Mask of hate, I don the devil's power. This life in the shadows, let the night leave its mark. When the certainty of safety feels like stabbing, stabbing in the dark. All units respond. Multiple fatalities reported on Orange Grove Ave. Suspect has been identified as one Michael Myers. He is armed, extremely dangerous. Shoot to kill. I repeat, shoot to kill. Over. So I think we all know the Monster Mash song. The song is from 62. It was sung by Bobby Boris Pickett. It's been a Halloween party favorite since the 60s. And the song, basically, how it goes, it's it's narrated by a mad scientist whose monster performs a new dance, which becomes the hit of the land. And then a party ensues, and all sorts of monsters are there. The Wolfman, Igor, Count Dracula and his son... It's a really fun and really cheesy song. So, enter Small Town Titans, a rock band from Pennsylvania, who I actually first talked about in episode four of this podcast when I talked about my favorite Christmas music. See, Small Town Titans covered 
um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and it was fantastic. But they're on this list because they just released a cover version of Monster Mash. So let's listen to a clip of Small Town Titans version of Monster Mash. It's truly incredible and a perfect replacement for Pickett's version of this song. Voiced ring seems he was troubled by just one thing. He opened the bed and shook his fist and said, Whatever happened to my friends of Next, we have a song that dates all the way back to at least the 1870s. The traditional American folk song, Where Did You Sleep Last Night? The song itself is actually named In the Pines, and it's most often associated with two very different musicians in two very different genres. Associated with bluegrass musician Bill Monroe, and then blues musician Lead Belly. And if you're old like me, uh, you'll remember that Nirvana covered this song, uh, pretty much the Lead Belly 1940s interpretation of the song during their MTV Unplugged concert in 1993. But the version I'm talking about here is by American noise rock duo Sleigh Bells, which is made up of vocalist Alexis Krauss and guitarist Derek Miller. Uh, I recently heard the song in a trailer for the upcoming action thriller film called The Rhythm Section, which stars Blake Lively, Jude Law, and Sterling K. Brown. Um, So let's give this version a short listen. It's fantastic. And the last song I'm going to recommend tonight is a song by one of my favorite artists, Rob Zombie. The song is Dragula, which uh, originally appeared on Zombie's solo debut album, Hellbilly Deluxe. The song itself is based on the drag racing vehicle, Drag You La, from the old television show, The Munsters. Yes, this is based on the car that had a body made from a coffin. So... That version I'm talking about here, talking about here, isn't the Rob Zombie version. It's not the Zombie one. 
It's a version done by American singer-songwriter Lizzie. Um, this version of Dracula actually appeared in the end of the 2019 horror movie, um, which was a haunted house slasher movie called Haunt, which was written and directed by Scott Beck and Brian Woods and produced by Eli Roth. Uh, and if the Beck and Woods names seem familiar, they're the, they're the people that wrote and executive produced uh, the, night, the 2018 horror film A Quiet Place, which starred Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. Um, so I'm going to play a clip of Lizzie's cover of Dragula. It's a completely different song than the zombie upbeat version. And after you give this song a full listen, go check out Lizzie's other work as well. I actually ran into her... Um, her music quite a while ago when I found a cover of Kid Cudi's Pursuit of Happiness that she did. And then she also um, did a live version of the song with Kid Cudi. So um, here's Dragula. Look up Lizzie. She's fantastic. So there you have it. I just gave you nine cover songs that you can add to your Halloween or spooky season playlist. All good stuff. So I hope you enjoy them. I have actually made a Spotify playlist of all of these songs and we'll link to it in the show notes. Um, it's named nine songs for your spooky playlist. Easy to find, but I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes of this episode. <laughs> It's now movie review time. I've been uh, taking part in Spookfest 2019 over at the Leftover Army podcast. Um, Old Man Shooty has done a wonderful job picking out movies for us to watch and talk about on his podcast. So go check it out over at the Leftover Army podcast. I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, it ended today with uh, uh, basically we were watching 31 horror movies over 31 days of October. Um, I was on episodes such as Clown End Trip, High Tension, Ready or Not, Bloodfest, Terrifier, Haunt, which you just heard a song from, Inside, Killer Sofa, and even Martyrs. Uh, the final episode was a pretty cool episode because we talked about 2007's Trick or Treat, which I think is one of the best Halloween movies ever made. Again, go check it out if you can. We even managed to uh, get the director of End Trip. Um, his name was Aaron J. Rome on the podcast for a special interview. So I, again, I know Aaron is not listening to this podcast, but if he is, thank you very much for coming on that show. That was a fantastic and fun interview. 
Um, it was pretty badass is what I think. Uh, everyone out there should go support indie movie making and go buy End Trip if you can. It's a pretty awesome horror movie. Um, it's available on Amazon for like eight bucks. So it's well worth the eight bucks. I mean, I would pay double, triple that for this movie. It's a great movie. Um, go support indie movie making. But in Nobody Asked You Kevin's Halloween Spooktacular, I wanted to talk about some different horror movies that I watched which weren't covered in Spookfest 2019. All of these are new and debuted within the last month, either in cinema, in theaters, or on some sort of streaming service. So let's get at this Halloween Spooktacular with some 5-10 to minute movie reviews of new horror. It's been 10 years since the zombie apocalypse. Oh my God, we're back again. And this dysfunctional family... Merry Christmas! Do you know what I would like? I don't give a fuck what you'd like. ...has survived by using their wits. Please forgive me! It's fake fur! And by following the rules. Rules are for pussies. Nothing personal. How could that not be personal? That's like my whole thing. Yeah, you're right. It's personal. On October 18. What made you do it? And don't say the script. Can this be just between us? Drugs cost money. Didn't see that coming, right? New kind of zombies. Stronger, faster, better adapted to the hunt. They are much more afraid of us than we are of them. You'll be the first to die, but I like your enthusiasm. You might die. Yeah, thank you for your sacrifice. From the director of Venom. Need a ride? Oh, yeah. And writers of Deadpool. Casablanca. Oh, God. Well, I think I would have made a damn fine president. I think those cigars were left over from the Clinton administration. Academy Award nominee Woody Harrelson. Let's kick some dick. Academy Award nominee Jesse Eisenberg. Right now? Right now. Academy Award nominee Abigail Breslin. You don't have weed, do you? Boom! Academy Award winner Emma Stone. What the fuck? Zombieland Double Tap. I'm a nut up or shut up. That thing's very 2009. <laughs> the first movie I'm going to talk about is Zombieland Double Tap which is the sequel to 2009 Zombieland and was released in theaters on October 18th. Um, it is a zombie horror comedy film written by Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick, and Dave Callum, Callahan. Um, it was directed by Ruben Fleischer. The original cast of Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Abigail Preslin, and Emma Stone are back for this sequel, and they are accompanied by Rosario Dawson, Zoe Deutsch, Avon Jogia, and Luke Wilson. And the plot is basically a continuation of the first movie. In the sequel, Columbus, Tallahassee, Wichita, and Little Rock move to the American heartland as they face off against uh, evolved zombies. So zombies have evolved. Uh, fellow survivors, and then they have to survive the trials and tribulations of becoming a family because they are not family in the truest sense, but then they are kind of a group of mis misfits that have banded together and become their own little family. The film is currently at a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb and a 67% rated fresh uh, critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not going to spend m too much time on this movie. I mean, it's a fun movie. It's a dumb movie. It's not up to the same level that the first Zombieland movie was and is at. 
Uh, it's a pretty forgettable movie after a viewing, but it's a pretty fun watch. The movie clocks in at around 99 minutes long, but it, I mean, at least I felt it was about 10 to 20 minutes longer than it should have been. I could have easily cut off about 10 or so minutes on the third act, and the movie would have only been better for it. Acting jobs of all the cast were good to great. Can't complain about anything there. I still love Woody Harrelson as Tallahassee, but I was actually chagrined to not see or hear uh, Twinkies referenced at all in the movie, which I was very surprised. Um, and then I do love the addition of Rosario Dawson, Dawson and uh, Luke Wilson's Albuquerque character to the movie because Albuquerque cracked me the fuck up in this movie. I loved his loved his uh, role and his character. The movie gets a Nobody Asked You Kevin rating of good from me. Uh, so go see this in theaters if you can. It would be just as good to wait for streaming if you can't get to the theater to watch it. But if you do go see this in theaters, please stay during the end credits because there is a mid-credits and end-credits scene. And I'm not going to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it, but I'm only going to say that the mid-credits scene is probably one of the best mid-credits scenes to ever exist. Watch it! Sorry, didn't see that. Well, maybe you should take in your surroundings more. Yeah. You are so ugly. You look like you got chicken pox. If chicken pox is made out of hemorrhoids. You listening to me? What, are you sick or something? Oh, look! Carnage! You can't eat the teachers, man! The others. Please explain to me what's going on. That girl Shelly has cooties. He's right. This is a foodborne virus. Chicken nuggets. Virus is only dangerous if you haven't gone through puberty. Are you kidding me? At three o'clock, the parents will come to pick up their kids. We can signal them for help. That's Indiana. That's Ohio. It's an epidemic. Let's roll! Remember that suiting up montage in every action film? This is that scene. Are we ready? Ready. 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 I'm gay. Oh, I knew it. So Cooties is a 2014 horror comedy film directed by um, Jonathan Malat and Carrie Murnian. Um, the movie was written by Ian Brennan and Lee Wanell. Uh, the film stars Elijah Wood, Allison Pill, Rain Wilson, Jack McBrayer, Lee Wanell, Nassim Pedrad, Ian Brennan, and Jorge Garcia. 
basically the plot works. And again, I'm not going to spoil a lot of these movies for you. So basically the plot is a mysterious virus is, is born from a contaminated chicken nugget in a school cafeteria. And what do you think is going to happen? The children eat the chicken nuggets and then a child gets transformed into what would you would probably call a zombie. So an unlikely hero must uh, lead a motley band of teachers in the fight of their lives to escape the school. So they, the, the teachers need to band together and get the hell out of the school. It's currently at a 45% rating uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. It's rated Rotten and a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb. So it's not getting very good ratings. Um, what I'll say is it isn't great. Uh, it is a lot of fun, especially if you want to watch a bunch of elementary school child zombies get taken out by sports equipment and smashed with fire extinguishers um, and that sort of thing. The characters themselves are are, are kind of one-shot caricatures. Uh, I do think the standout is Rain Wilson's uh, uh, character. He plays a douchebag gym teacher, um, and his action scenes and, and one-liners are just awesome. They're just really great. But, I mean, make, make no mistake, this movie is not a Shaun of the Dead type movie. Um, and really nothing is Shaun of the Dead. I, I wish we'd stop making those comparisons with all comedic horror movies. But this one, this one gets a rating of good from me. It's not a great movie. It's not a mediocre movie. It's in the middle. It's a good movie. So it gets a rating of good. Uh, your mileage may vary. I mean, I love this type of stuff. I can sit down and watch this type of stuff hour after hour after hour and still be happy with it um, and not have any problems. Uh, the movie itself has a really good premise, but... It really it doesn't deliver fully to garner the highest rating. Definitely give it a watch. It's on Hulu, um, so give it a watch if you have some free time. It's a it's a it's, it's a good watch. Lieutenant, sir, why are we here? It's zombies again. Fast ones or slow ones, sir? Slow. Thank God they're slow. Next stop. Pleasant Valley. Hi-ho, Teddy. Aren't we having a super fun time on our trip? I want you all in the line in front of me and away we go. Why are we stopping? There must be something in the way. What is it, Miss Caroline? Are you okay? Yes! Don't be scared. To play tag. Well, those funny looking people out there are. Go away! We have kids out here! Oh my god! I don't give a shit! What's happening? We're all gonna die. Are we gonna die, Miss Caroline? No! It's part of the game. The zombies are not real. But fuck, they're not! Scary. What are we doing? We're scared. What's the song we can sing? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. We can't stay here indefinitely. I'm not going anywhere. You're bigger idiots than I thought, and I thought you were both the stupidest people I've ever met. 
My job is to keep you safe. Stay here until I get back. behavior is unacceptable. Next time, Max is five years old. And if you can't use appropriate language with a five-year-old, I'm going to have to ask you to disinfect the tractor tree and wait for his back at the class. How do you like it, huh? Oh, God, what have I done? Ooh, what's that? Oh, I got caught in the middle of a jam fight. Don't taste it, okay? So the next movie I'm talking about, and you heard the trailer for, was Little Monsters, which is on Hulu. Um, it's a 2019 horror comedy film, which was written and directed by Abe Forsyth. The movie stars uh, Lupita Nyong'o, Alexander England, Cat Stewart, Diza Latorica, and Josh Gad. It's a quick watch at 94 minutes, and it's available, like I said, it's available to stream on Hulu. The film follows Dave, who's played by Alexander England, who is a has-been musician, and the only thing, I'll, I'll just spoil a couple things here, but his band is named God's Hammer, um, but kind of not in the band anymore. I mean, he takes a liking to his nephew's kindergarten teacher, who's played by uh, Lupita Nyong'o, uh, her name is Miss Caroline. Uh, and Dave volunteers to chaperone one of his nephew, who's named Felix, uh, his class trip to a local farm. So they're going on a field trip to a local farm. Meanwhile, an army of the undead break out of a United States testing facility just that's located right next to the farm. Just happens that there's a military testing facility located next to this farm where a bunch of children go and visit and people have fun. Those zombies, of course, head directly toward the farm and all of its visitors. So as for the rest, you can probably guess what mayhem ensues as the zombies um, enter the farm and start to turn the local population. Uh, Josh Gad plays a character called Teddy McGiggle, who is a local children's television personality by day and a foul-mouthed, narcissistic, alcoholic sex addict by night. Um, he loves moms and despises children. But he is hilarious, and he is over-the-top foul-mouthed. It's, I, I, he, he does have some good one-liners. Uh, but again, I'm going to say here... Let's get this out of the way. Not the best movie ever made, but I do want to call out a couple of things. Lupita Nyong'o and Diesel La Torica, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, uh, they make this a really good movie. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o as Miss Caroline is charming. She's a delight to watch on the screen. And at one point in the film, now this is going to spoil again, spoilers, but she single-handedly retrieves medicine she fights through a horde of zombies, returns or gets the medicine, returns through that horde of zombies, fighting them the entire way. And then she comes back to the, where they, all the children are. And she's got this yellow dress on and she's all blood stained. It's all blood stained, got blood all over it now. And she actually tells the kids it's strawberry jam. Um, and then she saves um, one of the, the kids from an anaphylactic reaction by 
um, some dairy he had eaten. Uh, he was allergic and he shouldn't have, and he was having a reaction to it. And she battled through the monsters and the zombies to get his medication and come back with it. Um, she also plays Taylor Swift songs on her ukulele. Um, and she loves Neil Diamond, so you can't go wrong there. I like a lot of Taylor Swift, and I love Neil Diamond. You can't go wrong there. Um, but the more the more I think of it, the more I actually see this as kind of a, uh, uh, what you want to call it, a zombie horror rom-com film, if you want to say it. Um, the dynamic between Miss Caroline and Alexander England's uh, Dave grows throughout the movie, and I wouldn't be lying if I said I shed a tear at the end of the movie. Uh, because, again, spoilers, Miss Caroline and Dave lead the children while singing Hanson's Mbop, uh, which <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, so this this movie, Little Monsters, gets a rating of good from me. Um, it's definitely worth the watch on Hulu. It's It's a pretty short watch. It's currently at an 82% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of people are liking it. I've seen very few negative reviews of the movie. It's a good movie. Please watch this one. I could watch Lupita Nyong'o probably in any movie she's ever in. And I would highly like to see her in another ass-kicking zombie movie. Because she is fantastic. John. John. Is it you? The next movie I want to talk about is a very short film, and it's on YouTube. Um, the trailer you just heard was from this movie. It was called There Comes a Knocking. And it's a short horror film that debuted on October 28th of this year, so just a few days ago. And it is written and directed by Ryan Connolly and stars Stephanie Butler, Brett Davidson, and Justin Robinson. It clocks in at about seven and a half minutes in length, so it's a very short film. And the synopsis is this. Life is hard for Emma without the love of her life, John. But after installing a new antique door and not being able to open it, she starts hearing strange knocks coming from the other side. And I'm not going to spoil anything else. The movie itself is shot beautifully, has nice camera work, sound design is excellent. And if you have a nice pair of headphones or a surround sound system, Please watch this either with those headphones or on a surround sound. Um, it is a fantastic sound design and it makes the whole film. Uh, the film itself is, is actually a proof of concept uh, short film for a feature film by the same name. And I give this a rating of the shit. It gets my highest rating. It is a really rad short horror film. And I love these sort of short horror films. And it gives you just enough to leave you wanting more. And you can find this film on YouTube. Uh, look up the, uh, the, the account Film Riot. And you can find this under Film Riot's YouTube channel.
mommy. Somewhere, sweetie. Sorry for barging. You're in luck, darling. I've worked on many a bite out here. Let me help her. This is crazy. None of this makes sense. I think we almost lost her. What was done for your daughter doesn't come cheap. Your little girl was spared. And now you owe a life in return. Or her soul is ours. You only have it to sunset. You best get a move on. Soul can be any one of your choosing. But it must be human. You act in someone. I can see it in your eyes. Another movie I want to talk about is something called Rattlesnake. This one is on Netflix. It's a new horror psychological thriller that debuted on the Netflix streaming platform on October 25th. It's written and directed by Zach Hilditch, who previously wrote and directed another film for for Netflix. Um, It was 2017's adaptation of Stephen King's 1922. Uh, This movie stars Carmen Ejogo, as Katrina, Apollina Pratt as Clara, Emma Greenwell as Abby, and David Yao as Charlie, and then Theo Rossi as Billy. So basically, the, the movie goes like this. I might spoil something here. I'm not sure. I can't. I can't. I don't know what I'm going to say. But uh, Katrina, who is played by Carmen Ejogo, uh, she's a single mother and she's driving cross country to start a new life with her daughter Clara. Um, on the way, the car shreds a tire in the middle of nowhere, and while Katrina is changing the tire, Clara kind of wanders off the road, and then she is bitten by a venomous rattlesnake. She, uh, uh, Katrina is desperate to save Clara's life, and accepts help from a mysterious woman whose trailer appears out of nowhere. Um, this woman uh, miraculously heals um, Clara's snake bite, and Katrina is actually asked to repay the good deed by killing a stranger in exchange for a life saved. So basically it's a life saved, a life taken. You have to keep the balance. The only caveat is that it has to be a human life. So she has about seven hours to do this. She wrestles um, pretty much with the morality of who deserves to live and who deserves to die. And because at seven hours, Clara's life will again be at danger, in danger if she does not do something, if she does not take someone's life. Um, this one is 
currently at 43% on Rotten Tomatoes with a total of seven critics reviews, so not many people reviewed it. Um, the average rating is about a 4.69 out of 10. It's at 4.5 out of 10 on IMDb. And the movie itself, the premise is a good one. And ultimately, it comes down to uh, that the truth that uh, it's very difficult to take a human life. It's very difficult to take a life. Uh, the movie is full of tension as Katrina kind of considers who she should kill. Does she kill the elderly man in the hospital who is already assured of death? Or does she kill an abusive husband? As the movie progresses, it becomes more fascinating. I mean, things tend to ha things happen. It gets more tense. The decisions she makes become more important as time moves on. Um, her Carmen Jogo's performance as Katrina is top notch. I would love to see her in more horror type movies. I won't exactly say what happened, just in case you do watch this. But the ending did ruin the movie for me. I did not like the ending. And if the ending was different, I would have probably give this a higher rating. But with that being said, I give this rating, I give this film a rating of meh. And it would have probably been better as kind of like a, uh, if you want to say like a Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt, Creep Show type episode. where in an anthology TV series. Uh, the film is a quick watch. It's only 85 minutes long. So if you do have time, check it out. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think about it. Uh, it's quite formulaic. It's it's not really a creative movie. Uh, there are far better movies to spend your time on if you are pressed for if if you have I mean if you're pressed for time, if you don't have much time. But if you have a free day, check this movie out. I'd love to hear about it. What made your last keeper leave? He believed that there was some enchantment in the light. Went mad, he did. Tall tales. What? movie I want to talk about is something I just saw in the, the in the movie theater and it came out October 18th so it's been out a little bit but it didn't it wasn't playing around me until just last week and this movie is called The Lighthouse The Lighthouse is a new psychological horror film um, it's written and directed by Robert Eggers who previously wrote and directed the fantastic horror film uh, from 2015 The Witch 
Uh, the movie stars only two actors, uh, Robert Pattinson, who plays Ephraim Winslow, and then Willem Dafoe, who plays Thomas Wake. I honestly do not want to spoil this movie as it is a tremendous, tremendous film. Uh, the plot is basically that both Winslow and Wake are set to man a lighthouse for four weeks, but they become stranded on the island for a little bit longer than that. And then they begin to lose their sanity uh, when a vicious storm hits the remote lighthouse island. That's all I'm going to say about the actual plot, because I do not want to spoil this. Um, it's currently sitting at about a 92% certified fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes um, and an 8.4 out of 10 on IMDb. So it's a highly rated movie. Um, the movie itself, okay, this was weird because I didn't, I knew it was filmed in black and white because I watched the trailer. But I did not know that it actually uses a 1.19 to 1 movie tone aspect ratio. Which, if you don't know what that is, basically that aspect ratio makes the screen appear just about as square as it can be. It's not a, a the typical aspect ratio of what you would see in a movie. It's, it's almost a square screen. Um, so it... It's rarely used, and I've never seen it used in any movie these days. And the only movies that I've know that 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 um, aspect ratio has been used in is you see it in films of the silent era, or as film began to move from the silent era to um, movies with sound in them and, and talking and, and dialogue. The movie is also filmed in black and white, which again is what I knew that, but I didn't know about the aspect ratio. Um, both Pattinson and Defoe, who are terrific actors, uh, they give masterful, masterful performances in their roles. Uh, the movie itself is, I mean, top-notch cinematography, production design. Um, in, in my opinion, if Alfred Hitchcock was still alive in these times, he would have made a movie similar to The Lighthouse. Um, it is this good. So I give this movie the rating of the shit, the highest rating that I give here on the podcast. It's one of the best films I have seen this year and quite possibly the best film of 2019. And that's saying a lot uh, from me. It is a tremendous psychological horror movie. And I highly, highly recommend seeing this movie in the theaters. If you can, if you can't view it in theaters, Get a hold of it when it's streaming or on disc. Turn your lights off and the sound up at home. Uh, it's it's a visceral, gut-wrenching, nightmare-fueled, surrealist horror. Uh, it is a deeply disturbing and hallucinatory movie, and it is a damn fine film. So that was six horror movies you could watch tonight after your Halloween festivities of trick-or-treating, either in the comfort of your own home, or you can go see the lighthouse at your local theater. Hello everyone. Our Halloween spooktacular rolls on with a spooky edition of somebody had to ask. All of the talk today in this segment will have to do with Halloween or the spooky season in general. 
um, as this episode is dropping on Halloween. Technically, today is Halloween. So I'm extremely pleased to have this person on the podcast for the first time. We've talked a lot on Twitter. He is a fantastic kick-ass person. His name is Dr. Jens Full. Um, so how are you today, Jens? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I am so glad. Like I said, I'm so glad for you to be here. Uh, do you want to inter- introduce yourself to everyone? Tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, fun things you like to do in your life, any specific fandoms you have, anything like that. Just take a few minutes and tell us all about yourself. Sure, yeah, I'd be glad to. Let's jump right into it. Uh, so my name is Jens. I was born in Germany, but I've been living in Florida for the last seven years. Um, and I, I'm a psychologist working in neuropsychology, mostly doing brain imaging. Um, I'm on Twitter as, uh, you can find me there as at fMRI underscore guy. And I'm much more interesting on Twitter than I am in real life. So most people who are listening to this will know me uh, if they do know me uh, from Twitter. And I'm I'm a, a big fan of a lot of things. I'm a big fan of spooky season, like anything Halloween. Uh, I love it. And um, I I my biggest hobby is probably just movies in general. So while there are a couple of genres that I that I like more than others, um, I just like watching movies and going to the theater and like to do that as often as possible. Which also means that. You know, I'm not I'm not like a hundred percent like horror guy or an action guy. I always have gaps in all of these different genres, but but there's just a lot of stuff that I like to watch, and um, I like uh, metal music or rock music a lot, and um, and I, I mean, we've chatted about it that I really like to go to theme parks. Uh, I don't live too far away from Disney World, uh, and I like to spend time there. Um, and Kevin and I have, have chatted beforehand that that's something that we share among um, like the other stuff, the other things as well. Like we're both movie fans, we're both metal fans, I think. Um, so there's a lot of overlap over the uh, in, <laughs> in terms of the fandoms there. <laughs> awesome. Um, uh, how how many times a year do you probably go to Disney? Ah, okay, that's a tough one. Uh, Across the whole year, probably a bit more than once per month, and uh, it, it kind of it kind of comes in clusters. So there would be like a couple of months where we you know have several weekends in a row, and then like a dry spell. So that the way we've set it up is that we have annual passes, mm-hmm. uh, but like the cheaper ones that have blockout dates. So there's a couple of of uh, weeks during the year where we where we can't use them, but other than that, um, we want to make as much use of them as possible. And we basically have it have it set up in a way where we would kind of drive down there on a Friday night, uh, stay in a cheap motel outside the park, so, you know, to save money, and then just kind of spend the weekend there. Um, and that's it's a very fun thing to do. It's it doesn't cost as much by far as you would think. Uh, so if we if I talk to people about that, you know, they think I might be rich, and which is not the case. But once <laughs> once you've sprung the money for the annual passes. Uh, you really just have to drive down there. There's many cheap hotels um, that in the area that you can stay. And if you want to, you can bring your own food to the park and stuff like that. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, so you can make it a very cheap weekend once you've paid for the, like once a year for the annual passes. Yeah, I if I lived down there, I would probably be there at least once a month. I, I absolutely <laughs> do. And we'll get into that here later. Um, but um, so the way this works is that I have several open questions that I'll ask you. Um, they're not yes or no questions. 
And the only thing you got to do is you got to elaborate on your answers. You good with okay. that? Yeah, absolutely. I tend to ramble, so be sure to interrupt me when I'm when I'm <laughs> talking too much. I I I ramble a lot too. So <laughs> so here we go. First question. It is Halloween season. Halloween is now. What is your favorite Halloween or horror themed song? All right, horror themed song. So there is. There is one fun song that I only really like because my daughter really likes it, which is kind of interesting. That is called Zombie Barricades by a band called something like The Company Band. Let me look that up because it's, I only know them from this one song. Um, and uh, The Company Band, yeah. So I've stumbled on that, uh, upon that song on, on Spotify and I've, I've put it on like a rock list to show my daughter, even though there is a naughty word in there that I have to blank out. But the song is basically about zombies overrunning your barricades and you trying to save everybody, but also about <laughs> criticism of the mu- music industry. So it's really? kind of weird. Yes, it's kind of weird. So they talk about like the different censorship um, uh, regulations that are there for like music and that kind of pops up, but it's also about zombies. So that would be one that I think a lot of people probably don't know. That's kind of just a fun rock and roll song. Well, cool. I, I have never heard of that song. And I actually, while you were talking, I just added it to my playlist. So I'm going <laughs> to give it a listen later because um, previous to this, I had talked about um, in this episode, um, I had brought up one of the subject. What matters was um, basically some spooky songs that I think you should add to your playlist for this cool. time of year. And the thing is, is that they're all cover songs of other spooky or non-spooky songs. Oh, and, yeah. Um, so I, one of those was um, a cover of a Dragula that oh, yeah. uh, was by Lizzie. Um, she, oh. uh, um, it was in the movie Haunt um, that just came out um, earlier this summer, later, earlier. It was this summer when it came out, but Haunted Houses. And... Um, so, yeah, I absolutely love this time of year with the songs and the, the movies and everything like that um, when it comes to the horror themed. And right now, I mean, my personal stuff, I'm, I'm huge on, into Ice Nine Kills mm-hmm. and, and I've talked about them ad nauseum, post about them ad nauseum. Um, but it's, uh, I am definitely going to check this song out when we get done here because I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> Do you know the band, uh, the Coffin Shakers? Yes, I do. Yeah, that's that's probably also like it's not it's not it's not metal at all. It's what is it like rockabilly rock rock and roll sort of thing. But uh, I I for me it's very much spooky season music and it has a very Halloweeny vibe. Uh, so even if you're not like into a lot of like heavy guitars, uh, then it still works quite well. Yeah, exactly. I would put them into that that almost. Um... I would say like a, a almost like a country type yeah. um, genre, uh, but no, that's fantastic stuff. I I absolutely like uh, Coffin Shakers quite a bit, and I'm not the biggest a fan of that that genre, but I do like that music. Um, so hey, cool. Uh, going on to question two, what do you want etched on your tombstone? And this is a huge question, <laughs> huge question for people to think about. But what would you like, and it's morbid, if you were to die tomorrow, well, hopefully not, but um, what would you want etched on your tombstone? 
So it's an, an ongoing uh, sort of jokey conversation with my wife that I'm saying uh, I want a tombstone that looks like the one that Tom Riddle has in the Harry Potter movies, <laughs> which, which basically has like a giant Grim Reaper with like a scythe and all that kind of stuff. And she's like, no, no, you're, we're not going to do that. And I'm like, I'm going to put in my, you know, my last will. So you have to do it. And she's like, no, I don't think that's how it works. But um, but that's more like the, the design rather than what I want to etched in there. Ah, ah, it's tough. But I'm, I, you know what? I'm going to bring back the tradition of like uh, having like funny rhymes on your tombstones, like the ones at Haunted Mansion uh, at Disney, because they also that like that's a real thing, right? A couple of cultures had that that they had like funny like limericks or kind of rhymes on the tombstone. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm trying to come up with something that's kind of morbid and and rhymes and that I want to have etched in there. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not big on leaving a legacy for myself. So it should be at least kind of something that entertains people. I. I I've always said on mine. I. I just wanted to say he tried. <laughs> That's yeah. all. I tried, and I died. The yeah. End. Is it? Uh, is this a podcast where people can can swear? Yeah, you could. You could okay. say whatever you want. So a, a while back, people talked about their favorite moments in video games, and and I uh, raised the uh, the scene in Max Payne Three, where it's an action game, and it's a bit. It's a lot about like film noir style things. Have you ever played it? I played the first one. I've never played the third one. So the the third one, the the, the game. It's kind. Of, it's a similar game, and it's a similar style. And there's like this whole thing about Max Payne trying to. Uh, stop like evil people from doing evil stuff, but he's kind of committing all kinds of you know cruel acts as he goes along. Kind of this action, dark action movie trope. And uh, at one point, somebody confronts him and he's like, you know, look at it, look at yourself. You know, you're trying to defeat us, but also like you're you're killing just as many people as we do. You know, what makes you better than us? And Max Payne is sort of exasperated and goes like, well, at least I fucking tried. <laughs> and I think it's, I just love that. It's like, yeah, sure, you know, yes, I did horrible things, but at least I tried to be on the good side. You know, I started out kind of trying to prevent the bad people from doing stuff. And yeah, it's a big mess, but, you know, what are you going to do? At least you, you can't do more than just try to be a good guy, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And I, it is a morbid question to think about, though, but it, it you don't see, I mean, at least the gravestones I look at, they're they don't have anything on them other than a name or whatever. And I kind of want to bring that back. I kind of yeah. want to bring back, Hey, let's, let's be a little funny. Let's uh, be a little inspirational in death. I don't know. I, yeah, I bring in back some sort of saying, and I, I yeah. think that would be perfect. But the, yeah, the, the first uh, context that I've heard about that stuff was in Latin class, actually, because I believe it was ancient Romans or maybe it was medieval people using Latin. I'm not sure. But either of them had like did that had like Latin like puns and stuff on their on their gravestones. And then you have a couple of uh, regions um, in, uh, in parts of Europe where people still did that later on, where you still have sort of current uh, or kind of not ancient uh, gravestones that have like funny inscriptions in them uh, and yeah why not bring that back yeah I, and you had brought up the like the haunted mansion um tombstones there outside of, of the mansion itself and i some of those I, I think my favorite one that i saw and i can't remember it went something like rest in peace cousin hewitt we all know you didn't do it or something <laughs> like that. that that's been my favorite so far um, but um, that 
that ride is is just one of those where you could just stand there in line and just read those for day. I mean, just read those for hours and yeah. find something new every single time. Yeah. I've, uh, yeah, and it's it's a fun ride. Like uh, overall, it's it's really funny. It's uh, and I th- I think there's like there's still sort of uh, things and projections and stuff where people don't really know how it's done, right? Even though the ride is like 50 years old, but I think it's never been fully confirmed how the effects are done, if I remember correctly. I think you're correct, very much so. That is, there's a I don't know if you listen to it, um, but there's a podcast called Podcast the Ride. Okay. Um, uh, they are they're a group of three guys, and they they have guests on all the, I mean, every episode. But they are from kind of like the film industry. They've worked for Disney. They worked for a lot of these places and in the amusement parks as well. And they each episode they'll take like a uh, an attraction or a ride or something like that, and they'll talk about it with a cool. guest. And they have a couple of really great episodes. Um, with the, throughout the years about the Haunted Mansion. I mean, they're fantastic episodes. They talk about the history of it, how it was built, um, what went into building it, what Walt's original ideas were, what he didn't want, what he did want, what it ended up looking like. Um, but they're fantastic looks. And a lot of it's, I mean, they make jokes all the time about things, but um, a lot of it, it, it's very good history on it. So I highly recommend that. I mean, if you haven't... Um, uh, listen to that podcast. Podcast the Ride is a tremendous podcast, especially from certain Disney aspects. They go to Disneyland all the time. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to check it out. Uh, it's a kind of, I'm sort of, I'm, I think I'm a picky customer in that regard because I, I would love to hear about the history of the rides. I wouldn't want to hear anything that will diminish the illusion, if you if you know what I mean. It depends yeah. on, the, on, on the ride, I guess. Some of the rides, you know, are just kind of fun rides and you want to learn a lot about them. But others are like, I'm not sure if it's going to just kind of diminish it for me. Yeah, I could see where that would happen. And some of those episodes would definitely diminish <laughs> your opinion of the, kind of the, the mystery behind some of those yeah. rides. Um, definitely would. I would recommend you skipping some of those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. All right. Kind of a, a, a follow-up or a, kind of an offshoot of that question of regarding kind of like the Haunted Mansion. Do you like haunted houses? Uh, I have limited experience with haunted houses, but I do like them as far as I've experienced them so far. So the, uh, the biggest uh, haunted house experience that I've had was that I once went to uh, what they call Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. Orlando. Yes. <laughs> have you been there? I have never been there. It's been a bucket list thing of mine, but I've had a couple friends actually were just there a couple days ago and they were posting pictures and I mean, of all of the things that they went to and had a tremendous time. Yeah, they're, they're doing a great job there. So the, the reason I went only one time is that it was the one year that we were here for Halloween before our kid was born. And with ki- you can't go there with kids. It's just like it's a it's aimed at a mature audience and they're going to be like, you know, bleeding people and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I guess, you know, it depends on the age, of course, but still, uh, so we haven't been back there for that reason. And um, so the year that that I was there, the biggest draw for me was that they had a haunted house based on Cabin in the Woods, which I'm oh. sure you've seen, right? Yeah, nice. Yeah. I- 
it's I mean it's a it's I don't even want to really talk about the movie in case people haven't seen it, but it's just a I, I love it. It's a great uh, horror slasher uh, comedy, I guess, or a satire at least. And yeah, there, you, there's there's a lot of comedy there. Yeah, and and you do have a lot of kind of uh, you know a lot of cool horror moments that that lend themselves well to uh, being in a haunted house, and that's what they did. So they basically recreated some of the the creatures and stuff in the in the film. So they had that, um, and the topic, like the themes, they also have an overall theme, which was The Walking Dead, which, of course, works extremely well. So they had, like, you know, graffiti on the houses and stuff uh, and kind of wrecked cars and things. Uh, so that's really cool. And I think they've, uh, after that, they've done that a couple of times as a theme. So, and the, the, the way it works is the whole park has been sort of transformed. You know, the whole park has a different atmosphere. You can still do the rides and things. Uh, but the big thing to do is the haunted houses, and I think they have like probably between eight or ten uh, haunted houses every year with different topics. Some of the topics they sort of design themselves, but most of them will be based on like some sort of property, like a movie or like a show or something like that. Um, and the way it was set up when I went there was that you paid for the ticket, and then you could also pay extra for like, like. Uh, um, quicker access to the uh, like a fast pass system basically you could go you would get the preferred access to the haunted houses and that ticket cost almost as much as like entry to the park or entry to the event but everybody recommended us like if you don't take the ticket you might you might as well stay at home like you have to do it otherwise you're going to spend all night in line so that's what we did and since i've only went there one time i'm not sure if that's you know i can't really and know if that's true or if it's still true, but that's the way it was back then. So it's not cheap, but it was a really, really good experience. Cool. Yeah, I think this year they had a um, a maze uh, uh, based on uh, Jordan Peele's Us. Oh, nice. I would have loved to see that. And I, th- I know they had a, they were, I was seeing pictures of Ghostbusters, uh, Stranger Things. Um, and then there was a shoot. There was a, I believe, a Killer Clowns from Outer Space one as well. <laughs> nice. I mean, and I don't has, know. I don't know how you feel about clowns, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I'm okay with clowns. So I, I don't really understand why they became such a big horror trope, but I'm kind of fine with it. Um, you know, and this year has seen like a, a, a whole plethora of Killer Clowns, right, with the Joker and with it and all that. So it's yeah. uh yeah, it's a big thing. Um, sure. Yeah, why not bring back Killer Clowns from Outer Space? Now, do they at Hollywood Horror Nights? Do can like any of the actors characters touch you, reach out and grab you, or anything? Uh, no, so they don't yeah. do that. Oh, and there was an interesting thing, by the way. I have I've never verified that, but uh, one thing that happened was that friends of mine went there, and I went there the week after. And I'm pretty sure from talking to my friends that they dialed down one of the haunted, haunted houses. Because they had one, uh, a haunted house based on the Evil Dead remake that also came out around that time. And oh, nice. It, it, but yeah, but again, lends itself like amazing. I mean, it's, you know, it's just as well as A Cabin in the Woods, I guess, because it's in large parts the same concept. But um, uh, so that's, uh, that's what they had. And I thought it was pretty tame and not a lot going on. And then when talking about uh, to my friends afterwards, um, it seemed to me as if they like took out certain elements and certain people because apparently it was like pretty shocking a couple of weeks earlier. Ah, so so they might have kind of 
heard back from the people visiting that it was too much and yes. yeah, adapted it a little bit. Huh. I think that's what, what happened. So I never sort of went back and verified it with other people, but it was like the differences were striking enough that I was like, okay, that's probably what was going on. It wasn't just like one person being sick that night or something. It was more like, it seemed like a, a change in concept. Huh. Yeah, I had never heard that. That's, that's, I mean, it's neat that they would actually adapt something for the audience and basically say, okay, we understand that it's a little too much. Mm. Now let's scale it back just a little bit. Um, so at least you have an enjoyable time. Yeah. Uh, I think that's pretty neat. Um, so on that matter, we're talking about Hollywood Horror Nights. Do you have a favorite horror movie? <laughs> I knew the question would come up. So I know my favorite recent horror movie, like from this year, was Ready or Not, which I thought was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And it's got more like a, it, I mean, you know, it's, yeah, it's horror, it's like a slasher, but it also has, I guess I'm a sucker for comedy elements in a horror movie, um, but I like that. And I think you said that as well, that you saw it and you liked it, right? Yeah, I saw that movie, I absolutely loved it. I think it was a, I mean, a great comedy slash horror type movie. Yeah. Um, my favorite horror movie overall, um, I really do like the first Hellraiser. Because it's one of the movie I've I've seen it pretty late. I've only seen it a couple of years ago, for the first time, and okay. I was I was surprised how much uh, plot is in there and how much character is in there, and that it kind of I don't know I I like I like that there's a lot of story in there other than just kind of you know there's a magic box and kind of it shows you hell or whatever, but it's also kind of about a weird love triangle i guess with one of them like one of the people not having any skin <laughs> and it's kind of it's this <laughs> weird uh social interaction between people uh it like set in like in front of the background of like there being a hell dimension of people who are like causing suffering slash enjoyment so i thought it was just i don't know it was more creative than i than i thought that i think the other kind of classic horror uh, franchises are now ha have you seen we, I just saw this movie and I talked about it earlier in this episode, but um, I, I have you seen The Lighthouse? Um, it just came out. It has Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe in it. I haven't seen it yet. I was I saw the trailer. I wasn't aware that it was a horror movie at all but until people started talking about it for real. And I've heard about the director. I've heard about the uh, sort of the creative choices that they did. Like they used an image format that hasn't been used since like, you know, in the last 60 years or something. Um, so I've heard about that stuff, but I don't know anything about the plot. Uh, is it good? Did you like it? I, I watched it once and I walked out of the movie theater. Like, what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> um, but I also, I do that for a lot of movies, a lot of movies like that. I mean, it is, it definitely is a horror movie. It's yeah. a psychological horror. Um, it's, it's a quiet movie in certain spots. I mean, it's all black and white filmed in black and white. And then it's filmed in that. Uh, very specific um, aspect ratio that, like you said, it what hasn't been used in years, um, and it really it's it harkens back to uh, the days of uh, when they were making the transition between silent film and yeah. and filled with sound. I, I I can't remember if it was one shoot. I'd have to look that up, but I think it was not two point five nine, but something like one point. Five nine or mm. one point one nine to one. It makes it almost like a square yeah. on the screen, and um, uh, it it was a it was different. Um, so I watched the movie again, and I walked out of there 
loving it. Okay. Um, it is a very, very interesting movie. It leaves you with a lot of questions, and it is a what I would term as a very hallucinatory movie. Okay. Um, but I, I highly recommend it to everyone that likes horror. Um, if you don't dig that sort of horror, I would say probably stay away from it. <laughs> uh, you're going to probably come out of it saying, I hate you and I never will <laughs> listen to you again and screw off. I mean, anything like that. So, um, but I highly recommend it to anybody that likes horror, um, both Willem Dafoe and uh, Robert Pattinson put in tremendous performances um, because it's just those two guys in the movie and it's a two hour and 36 minute movie or something. So it's a pretty long movie uh, for the horror genre. Uh, but I did the same thing when it comes to like Midsommar and yeah. even Hereditary. I walked out of those movies, the more recent, like kind of like psychological type horror movies. And um, I, and I first on first watch, I was like, okay, I don't know what I just watched. And then it took me a second watch to digest a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say some of what you said about the lighthouse reminds me of Midsummer, and uh, that that's a movie for me that I, I I've only seen it once, but I do think it will probably feel different um, the second time around because again, without like spoiling anything or going into the plot, but when I watched it, I loved the entire opening, uh, like I loved everything happening before the uh, before basically before the opening credits or the opening title card. And then I was, for most of the movie, I was sort of a bit lost, like, why am I watching this? And then it kind of came together at the end. So, for me at least, I was like, okay, now, you know, I, I get it. Now I sort of understand the structure of the movie. Um, so, would you think that's sort of how the Lighthouse feels as well? Yeah, I, I think it feels the exact same okay. way. And, and it just, that, that aspect, I didn't know anything about the movie other than I saw the first trailer. And it didn't really say much at all mm -hmm. it was about a minute and a half long yeah. and it didn't really show a lot of the plot other than they were at a lighthouse and it was the two of them and i so i went in knowing it was black and white but not knowing that it was filmed in that aspect ratio for a second there i thought it was something was messed up with the screen <laughs> and i was about to go outside and tell them but then i realized no that's what it's supposed to be right. um because I've never watched a movie in that aspect ratio. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. No, I highly recommend that. Um, I'm not the biggest Hellraiser fan. I don't know why. Um, going back to your your Hellraiser um, uh, movie. Uh, I don't know why it is, but Pinhead has always frightened me. Yeah. I mean, but that's what the horror movie is supposed to be doing, right? So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've always tried to find movies that would frighten me. And that one it doesn't do so much for me on like throughout the movie, but just seeing him is what frightens me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other thing now come to think of it, the horror movie that I've probably watched most and that really love as well is uh, silence of the lambs. Oh, that's a good one because that's, I mean, it's, it's sort of, I mean, it's, it's different in that, you know, you don't have any supernatural element or anything like that, but it sort of checks all the boxes and uh, it's just really well done. I saw a thing once where they, uh, what was that? It was like, a, I think it was like a film lexicon thing where they uh, analyzed like film in general. And they they um, picked out Silence of the Lambs as the basically the pivotal um, movie of the 90s. Um, where they said it's kind of, it has all the elements in there. It was, it's kind of a, 
it's a 90s movie in a lot of respects, but it also sort of kind of transcended um, certain 90s tropes and so forth. And it was just kind of a horror movie that made a big splash, which was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I put I put like in the 90s, I put like Silence of the Lambs up there with seven. Mm-hmm. And um, and honestly, the other horror movie that I mean, absolutely love that I talk about quite a bit is Scream. I mean, 96 oh, yeah. Scream. Um, but those are kind of my favorite thriller, psychological thriller, thriller horror movies of the 90s. And I'm glad you did say Silence of the Lambs because that's right up there for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, but, Sc- Scream was amazing. I mean, Scream really started that whole uh, satire horror genre, basically, or, or kind of doing that properly, like not lampooning stuff, but sort of making actual points about the genre. And that was really that was I mean, Scream, I loved it was really, really good. Yeah, exactly. And and again, I soundtrack was amazing up to that song, yeah. to that that movie. And I I keep pointing back to other things I t- talked about previously in this episode, but which you didn't get to hear, but um I talked about one of the songs that was on that that soundtrack. Um it was uh, Gus Black's cover version of of Don't Fear the Reaper. Yes, yeah, I remember and, that. And um, it, it's a very pivotal scene in the movie. Yeah. And uh, it's just a fantastic slowing down of that song. Yes. And that's when it's like a sort of romantic scene between uh, Sydney and her boyfriend, right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it, that reminds me when, when Wes Craven died a couple of years ago, was it maybe two years ago? I sort of did like a lengthy uh, Facebook post about uh, sort of how inspiring he was as a director. And uh, my favorite example of that was as that scene in Scream where, uh, and we can't spoil Scream, right? It's been like twenty something years. Oh so, yeah, you, you can um, you can spoil the heck out of it. <laughs> so the uh, the scene where uh, Sydney realizes what's going on and that her boyfriend uh, might be like the killer is uh, she brushes kind of they had sex. Which I believe is like the first time. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the plot, but uh, but it was significant that they had sex. And then afterwards, she kind of brushes her hair, and then she puts the hairbrush next to the phone, and then she kind of thinks for a second. Then she asks him about like why he didn't call in like such and such situation, and that line of questioning sort of unravels his story. And I love like the 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 subtleness of it, uh, the subtlety. Sorry, the subtlety of it of kind of having her do something that sort of just involves looking at the phone and then kind of asking the phone question um, because it was a moment, especially because it was a moment where you didn't expect it. You really felt like, okay, so they had sex. Okay. It was romantic and all, you know, fine. So they're, they're a couple now and that's, and that's it for the rest of the movie, or at least it sort of took him out of the, uh, a little bit out of the race of like potential killers. Um, so I like that. It was like, there were a lot of like small, subtle uh, directorial things in there that I really liked. Yeah, I, I, that Scream is one of those movies that I, I can watch again and again and again and again. And, and it was like the very first movie that I introduced my kid to when I was introducing him to horror. Um, and he's become kind of a, a horror fiend now. He wants to watch horror movies all the time. (laughs) How old was he when you, when you showed Scream? Uh, nine. Okay. Uh, some people say it was a little too early. I don't know. I, um, but he goes to haunted houses with me now, and we watch horror movies all the time. Um, we're watching one tonight. Um, so he he absolutely, I've tried to introduce him to kind of the classics, uh, Friday the 13th, um, 
Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Child's Play. I mean, we started with those basic ones. Yeah. Um, and Scream was the, the very first one that we actually started with. Um, cool. So he, he enjoyed it quite a bit, and he actually went as uh, Ghostface last year for Halloween. <laughs> nice. So... Yeah, it's, it's interesting. To, like, the age question is interesting. So my daughter is going to be uh, five in just a couple of days. So I'm not going to watch any horror movies with her yet. But uh, <laughs> it's in, but I like but, but I like to watch movies with her, right? And I like to kind of, as I said, to introduce her to music that's not like kids' music. You know, music that's kind of, that has a wide range of, uh, of stuff going on. And it's interesting to, I think it's really, really important to see how your kid reacts to that kind of stuff. And I think some kids are better than others to sort of, discern what's fantasy and what's reality and if you have a kid who's just good at doing that then you know why not watch horror movies um but so far we've you know we've watched we're watching a lot of like current um animation a lot of like classic animation uh we've watched three animated yeti movies over the last 12 months which was weird um (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if you're if you're keeping track of any of that right now if you're like if you're watching like kids animation at all um but there were like you know there's some good stuff out there there's i know they're abominable or however you pronounce it's out right now but i don't (laughs) i i don't i don't what are the other two i mean so so the first one was last year in october or november uh was smallfoot okay Uh, i don't remember the studio but uh it's like it it was really good it had sendaya and channing tatum uh, do the voices and it had a lot of music in it so it was uh it was or a lot, but it had some music in it and it had a heartfelt story. So it was a lot uh, like the way you imagine like classic Disney movies to be, but also with a bit of an edge. Uh, so I like that. That's probably my favorite out of the three. Then there was uh, Missing Link from Life Oh, Animation. Yeah. yeah. I love that one. We saw yeah. that. Yeah, it was it was fun. Um, it didn't really, it was a bit more like paint by numbers than the others, I think. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe uh, at least more so than Smallfoot, I think. Even though I love I love Leica stuff, though I love uh, Kubo and the Two Strings, for example, it's it's really really good. And I was sort of I was sort of bummed that that one came out in a year where there was a lot of brilliant animation. So I felt like it probably didn't have a chance to win an Oscar, and that's what happened. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's really good. And uh, the third one now was Abominable, which was it's it's really really cute and really fun. So it's a very sort of a heartfelt uh, fantasy story. Again, it's not super complex, but it's uh, for smaller kids, it's it's perfect and it's a fun movie to watch for the parents as well. Yeah, I was uh, talking about the missing link. Um, I I was kind of bummed when I mean I saw it, I liked it, and then not many people saw it. Yeah. Because it became, I mean, it, I think it only made like $25, $30 million at the box office. Mm. And I think its budget was around $100 million. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, I think it, it was going to, it was one of those movies that it was such a box office bomb that I think um, Leica was actually, I don't know if they were going to come back from that at all. Okay. Um, because I don't know that they have anything else in the, the pipe pipeline right now i don't know that they're working on anything because it lost most of their other budget i mean movies on their other but i mean budgets on their other movies around 50 to 60 million that i know of yeah and all of those have made money this was the first one that lost tremendous amounts of money and so i'm hoping that that doesn't hurt them yeah i mean in a in a way that they don't come back or don't attempt to come back 
um, because they have put out some good stuff. I mean, like you said, Kubo and the Two Strings. Um, I absolutely adored the Box Trolls movie. Um, uh, yes, I think it was really well done. But the Box Trolls movie also sort of um, had me scratch my head a bit um, because it felt pretty dark. Oh, and no, it, it was dark. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's like, and I, was, I wasn't really sure what, uh, what type of audience this movie is for because it's not really, I don't think it's really adult fare in terms of like what's going on, but it's also kind of pretty dark for a kid's movie. And I felt that with after that with Kubo, they went the full adult route, with, you know, because it has like it has a lot of death in it and it has like a lot of mysticism in it and a lot, a lot of stuff. So I wouldn't I wouldn't count that as a kid's movie at all. And I feel like with Missing Link, they went the kid's route. And so it's kind of interesting to see um, how these different routes worked or did not work. Right. Um, so Kubo got got a nomination for an Oscar, but I don't know if it made any money. So I would have to look that up. But uh, uh, I but think it's... it. I think it made maybe. Uh, I think its budget was around sixty, and I think it made somewhere around seventy to eighty. I think if I I've talked about it before and with other people, and I think it made around six seventy to eighty million. Okay, let me see. I'm just looking it up. Uh, your budget is set at sixty, and then oh yeah, and it made sixty nine point nine worldwide. So I mean, you wouldn't count that as a success. I mean, people had like the people working on it had food on the table. But uh, but it's probably not what the studio wants to see. Um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there are other movies, Coraline, Paranorman. I think right. made a little bit more money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think over time, um, like as movies have like gone down and down and down in regards to how much they're making. Mm. Um, but no, that's I. Yeah, I haven't seen Abominable <laughs> yet. I'm, yeah. I, I actually will probably wait. I mean, I know it's still out in theaters. I haven't seen it yet, but um, I am looking forward to watching it because the, the kid wants to watch it, mm-hmm. so we'll eventually watch it. Um, uh, so, um, into Zombie Apocalypse. We're going to switch gears here. Yeah. Zombie Apocalypse. We all know it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. You, I mean, no matter what. True. Uh, what, what would be your weapon of choice? Ah, uh, so... <laughs> let's see um i've have you read the zombie survival guide by i think it was max brooks who also wrote world war z um i i actually have a copy of it i have not read it yet <laughs> so in there he describes a weapon and now i got because i it was way back in the day and i read the the uh the german version so i got to make sure that i have the right um English term here, but yes, it's a Shaolin spade or a monk spade, which is basically a. Uh, it does look like a spade or like like a shovel, but it has a uh, instead of a shovel head, it has like a sharp edge, and then it has a counterweight at the other end of it, and apparently it's like a uh, like a Shaolin weapon where you can kind of cut somebody's head off and kind of wield it pretty easily. And uh, if I remember correctly, it's it's hailed as pretty much the best sort of melee weapon against zombies in that book and uh, and that's probably what I'm going to go with. Yeah, I'm I'm actually looking that up right now because that thing looks awesome. I'm looking at yeah, pictures right? right now. Yeah, it's got <laughs> this like like shovel type head, but it's a like this one I'm looking at at least has like a curved blade yeah. on it. Yeah. And then the back end of it is even almost like a crescent moon type blade. Yeah. That's that's, that's pretty. Bad, that's that's pretty badass. Neat. That's awesome. <laughs> I like that. 
What would your favorite weapon be in the in the zombie apocalypse? I would probably just stick with your normal like katana or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, just something that um, could I mean cut pretty easily, and you could wield it pretty easily. Um, nothing too bulky. You don't need you don't need that extra yeah. bulk, and you need something sharp and able to take off a head. I mean, yeah, no. Yeah. No weapons. I mean, nothing like a barbed wire bat or anything like that, or nail stuck into a bat, mm-hmm. or nothing like that. Because you don't want to get getting it. You don't want it to get stuck in someone's head, and then you have to kind of force force it out of the the zombie's head. You want to yeah. take the head clean off. Yeah. So I think the uh, the uh, repetitive usage is is a big thing. Like anything that sort of. Uh, that you can use up is sort of bad. Like anything using ammunition and stuff or like whatever, you have like a crossbow or something. I wouldn't do that because you, you know, have to keep track of your ammunition all the time. There's like thousands of zombies uh, coming at you. And, um, and likewise with the barbed wire and that stuff, like if there's a risk that it might get stuck somewhere, you probably don't want to use it. Yeah. I've always thought, I mean, like you see, I mean, like crossbows and bows and arrows and bone arrow and stuff used in these movies. Like mm. that is the most inefficient way to attack a zombie. Yeah. Unless you're Legolas or someone and you can just whip out arrows left and right and just hit everybody. I don't see how that would be very efficient. Yeah. No, I think it's just because or effective. The, yeah. I think it's just because it's the only ranged weapon that uh, that you can easily maintain ammunition for right so if you have to sort of defend your uh you know your barricades and stuff from afar or kind of you know you want to have like some sort of ranged weapon then i guess bow and arrow makes most sense because if you use up your guns you're you're not going to be able to create new ammunition after that yeah i mean that's a good point i mean you need your uh you, you do need your ranged weapons do have um their place um so yeah definitely from from a far they're useful, um, but if you're getting attacked, if you're get hugged by a zombie, you take a step back or two, uh, get good luck with your bow and arrow. Yeah. Uh, but uh, with with a sword, at least you could take their head off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I, mean, I love that 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 monk spade thing. <laughs> I might actually have to change my answer for future <laughs> questions. So what was your answer again? You said katana. Yeah. I would say a katana. Yeah. I would just say your standard sword katana. Yeah. Um, uh, so okay, kind of talking about taking body parts off now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you had to chop off a piece of your body, which would you choose? Wait, just any? Like yeah, oh, see, the, yes. Okay. Now we're going the saw route of things. Um, <laughs> if you actually had to chop off a piece of your body and keep on functioning in life um, to escape um, or or whatever from a horror movie, right. what would you? I mean, what would be the optimal one to chop off? So I can't just say like the little finger or something or a little toe. Yeah, I mean, you're talking hand, foot, okay, um, anything like that, arm, leg. Uh, I I'll definitely go with upper extremities rather than lower extremities. Um, I've I've worked with a lot of uh, amputation patients, and it really it surprised me. But it really seems to be the case that just for everyday life, if we're not talking zombie apocalypse, or maybe even then, but for everyday life, uh, losing the ability to sort of stand and walk, in, or kind of use your legs generally, uh, both of them at the same time, impedes your life a lot more. Seems to impede your life a lot more than kind of losing an arm. And of course, it's not a context, right? Uh, contest. So it's like not. 
you know, it's not like uh, whatever. You know, it's 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 not a competition. Is what I'm saying. But uh, but it seemed to me just from talking to people that um, that one is easier to deal with than the other. Does that make sense? No, that makes absolute sense. And I was I was hoping that would elicit that kind of response because I, I mean, knowing your work and, and some of the stuff that you've worked with and published on and, and done some work with um, the, the phantom limb area, I was hoping you would actually say something like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even like, not even talk about prosthetics and stuff because, and, and it, you know, with the, not to go into too much detail, but with the legs also it depends a lot on uh, whether you, your amputations below or above the knee um, you sometimes see that in, in reports on like, if there was an explosion or something like that, they will not, not necessarily count the, 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 you know, the people lost who lost their legs, but people who lost their legs above the knee, because if it's like below the knee, you know, you can stick a, like anything in there that keeps you up, it keeps you up and you can control it as if it was your leg to a large degree. Uh, and that's not true. If you lose the knee, then you need to have like, uh, sophisticated prosthetics if it works at all. To sort of uh, give you f- the function back that that you know makes you able to kind of walk around. Um, so, but even like uh, even foregoing um, any sort of prosthetics, uh, it's uh, it seems like you know people people haven't have a better time uh, re reworking their environment to a degree where they can uh, work with uh, with a missing arm or with like a an arm that's different than it was before. Uh, that's yeah. I I have never actually thought about this question, and I would think I I would take an arm off or something. Um, I I I mean, if if you're needing to get out of a situation fast, you're going to probably need your legs. So, I would probably opt for the arm. Uh, hopefully, that never happens, and hopefully, <laughs> we never have a zombie apocalypse. But, um, we know that it's going to happen. It's so. going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> Um, okay, switching gears, getting out of the morbid stuff for a minute. Uh, <laughs> what costumes have you worn for Halloween? <laughs> um, so, we, my main event to wear a costume to uh, for the last couple of years was the, the Halloween event at Disney. And we've always had uh, family costumes. Um, we've already done that for this year. And we uh, dressed up as characters from the movie Up. So I was uh, the uh, um, Carl Fredrickson, like the old guy. Um, my daughter was Russell, like the uh, what is he? Uh, like uh, you know, what, what's the term? Um, you know, the little the little guy. I, I, what's he doing again? He's uh, I forget. Oh, the Boy Scout. That's oh, the, the boys, Yeah, the little Cub yeah. Scout Boy Scout guy. And my wife was Kevin the Bird. Nice. So that worked quite well. <laughs> the, the year before that, we went as characters from Toy Story. Uh, so I was Buzz Lightyear, my daughter was Woody, and my wife was Jessie. And that was super fun because we walked through the park and uh, and somebody, like one of the cast members there approached us. And they were like, oh, you know, I, loved your, I love your costumes and I'm going to give you a free drink if you show, uh, you show me the bottom of your shoes and you have the name Andy written on there. You know, because the toys, the Toy Story have that. Yeah. And we showed our the foot of our shoes and we we're like, not only does it say Andy, but it also uses the correct um, orientation of the letter N. Because in the movie, uh, Andy writes the N the other way around when he gets uh, when he gets um, Woody. And then by the time he gets Buzz, he clearly learns the alphabet better. So Buzz has like a, a, a correctly written N on his uh, on his foot. And we've replicated all of that. So we got free drinks. 
So that was good. That's amazing. <laughs> that's dedication too. That's dedication <laughs> to getting something right. That's 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 awesome. Um, yeah. uh, what do you recall? Um, what your first Halloween costume was ever? So the the thing is that Halloween is not a big thing in Germany, or at least it didn't used to be when I was growing up. So it's sort of bleeding over now, like over the last like 10, 20 years. But when I was growing up, the, the closest equivalent to it was um, Carnival. And it's okay. pretty much the same thing, but it doesn't it doesn't have a horror theme at all. But it's kind of it's the same sort of event where you kind of dress up and all of that. And I believe the first uh, costume that I can remember from that context was uh, Zorro, you know, with the mask and the, uh, you know, Zorro, like the, uh, that's a thing, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with the cape and the mask and all of that. So I think that's the first costume that I can remember. What was it for you? Um, my first costume ever that I remember was Woody Woodpecker. Oh. <laughs> now, it, was, it was one of those 80s costumes that we had that had a plastic um, plastic uh, uh, mask, and then the the costume itself was like plastic. Uh, I don't even know. It, it wasn't much of a costume, <laughs> but that's the one I remember the the as my first. It was a Woody Woodpecker costume, and the mask smelled terrible. <laughs> but I, I mean, I still have pictures of it floating around here. So yeah. um, it, it was a great costume uh, this year. Um, what are you guys? Are you are you said you already dressed up this year, correct? Yeah, exactly. So, and I'm going to do that for for proper Halloween, which is tonight, basically. Yes. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna redo the same thing. So I have like white. Uh, I can you know I'm gonna dye my hair white a little bit or like gray, and I have like the glasses and the suspenders and all of that. Ah, okay. Yeah, we're. Uh, I'm just going as an evil clown. Oh, nice. Uh, this year, and uh, the kid. Um, he's going as uh, Sam from uh, the movie Trick or Treat. Oh yeah! So he we watched that movie not too long ago. He watched it for the first time and he absolutely loved it. And he wanted to go as Sam. So we've got the Sam costume and uh, like the the uh, pumpkin lollipop that he uses as a weapon in the movie and everything. Nice. Um, so and then my wife is um, uh, going as uh, one of the characters from. Um, uh, shoot the, the dark crystal age of resistance uh uh, uh miniseries on mm-hmm. uh on netflix uh so does she so. have like a face mask like because they also have like they're all like they have these puppet faces and stuff right and kind of beaks and things or depending on what character she's picked yeah yeah i mean depending i mean she not, definitely i mean she's going as one of the, the gelflings yeah um and I mean, she's got the wings, and she's got the the costume and gotcha. everything, and the ears and everything. She'll paint her face and all of that, but no real mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, uh. But yeah, uh. We usually, I mean, I usually don't do much for costume other than I had some sort of weird, um, pumpkin face demon guy last year. Nice. Uh, but but like I said, the kid last year was uh, Ghostface from Scream. He absolutely <laughs> he liked that a lot. So we're kind of he'll find a movie he likes and then he'll want to be that character. Yeah, awesome. I wonder if there's going to be a lot of people dressed up this year as the bride from Ready or Not, because that's I, sort of a relatively straightforward costume with the big gun and kind of bloody in the the wedding dress. Yeah, it would be. I mean, it's I mean a relatively easy costume. Like you said, it's straightforward. I mean, there's not a lot to it. Rip up an old dress or whatever, and yeah. 
uh, put on some effects and some blood and you can grab a gun. I mean, I, in this, this day and age, I don't know about that, but <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but you know, that would be an easy costume. I think that you could, that people could pull off. Yeah. I'm not sure if I could pull that off, but yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's right. you, 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 even you never know. <laughs> yeah. You never know. You might, yeah, th- that would be fun. Like gender bent the entire movie and like have, just have like the groom as a woman and so forth and kind of do that. I'd come to think of the gun, like, I think just having a belt with, like, the big shotgun shells around the, like, you know, that would probably be enough. I don't think you have to carry the, the shotgun. Yeah, shell. yeah, I don't think you need to go that far, but, um, yeah, cool. So, um, like, you spoke about going, I mean, I won't, I'm not going to keep you much longer here because I know we're coming up on an hour, but uh, I, I've got a couple of questions, and then I really want to ask you the last question. Um, I, number sure. one, quickly... Would you rather get bitten by a vampire or a zombie? Uh, 100% vampire. 100% vampire? Yeah, or why? Well, I mean, you you still... I mean, if you're bitten by a zombie, I mean, that's not really... You're basically dead, right? Sort of your body lives on, but your mind is... is uh, depending on what exactly... What kind of zombie lore we're talking about, your mind is pretty much completely gone. Uh, so I wouldn't really... I don't see much difference in just dying and being bitten by a zombie... Um, and with a vampire, I mean, you can have a full, like a full rich life as a vampire, even if it's like not really life, but you can have an existence, right? And there's like vampire societies and all kinds of stuff, again, depending on the lore. Um, but, uh, I think in most cases you have like, you know, you have groups of vampires hanging out together. I don't know. <laughs> seems, seems, like, seems like a clear cut to me. Uh, it, it really depends. I mean, if you have like Blade on your on your heels and he's kind of hunting you, then it's probably better to be. Oh well, no, that's everybody. Zombies being hunted by everybody too. So you're going to be hunted uh, hunted either way. But no, I'm going to pick vampire. Good answer. I like that answer. <laughs> yeah, I would not. I would not pick a zombie. I just uh, like you said, they're dead. Yeah, I mean, or undead. This kind of area where um, who really knows. But I, all right, second to last question here. This is weird. This is a weird question. Okay. Would you ever consider tasting human flesh? And if so, how much or, or how much money would it take? <laughs> because all I'm right. going to offer you that amount. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, no. So I've, I've, I don't know. I've, I'm not, I was going to say I've eaten weird stuff in my life, but I'm not sure if, if that's even true. If I'm, if I'm like out of the ordinary there, but I was, offered one thing once that I did not um, uh, take. So, and, and I was on vacation in Tanzania, Africa, and we hung out with, uh, with some of the, a couple of the local people there. And one of them offered me or offered us a concoction made of uh, fresh cow's milk and cow's blood. And uh, so basically, it's it all it's all fresh because they didn't have refrigeration there in that in that area. So they they would have just kind of pulled the blood out of the cow and then got some milk in it, and they said it's really good. I don't know, and, and there might have been something else in there as well, but that was like the main components. And I was curious, but I was like, you know, no, it feels super weird. And, and I understand that it's not that different from ordering a steak because a steak can also like depending on how it's cooked, you know, there's going to be blood in there, whatever. But it still felt too weird to me. So I think that's, uh, I realized my my limits in terms of like, what am I going to eat just out of curiosity? Um, if it's about like me being being forced or like offered money or something, I mean, 
I don't, I, you, you know, there's just been, there's been instances of people where they, they cannibalize each other to survive. And I'm like, you know, why, why not? Because humans are not that much different from any other animal, right? So if it's kind of a life or death situation, um, I, I would do it. I don't know. I don't know how much money I would take for it though. I know. Would somebody, <laughs> would somebody be killed or is it just kind of some human meat lying around and it's going to go, it's going to be spoiled if I don't eat it. Yeah, it's one of those situations. It would be spoiled if you don't eat it. You don't have to actively kill anybody, or anybody would be killed for that specific reason. So I'm I'm super uncertain about this answer, but I'm going to say ten thousand bucks. Nice. I, <laughs> I I would probably put it up into the million dollar range. <laughs> I would definitely do it for a million dollars. No no questions. Yeah, asked. yeah. I, you're gonna have to make me a millionaire to do that. <laughs> and that's but, and that's million dollars after taxes <laughs> not before taxes but after yeah not not like this kind of weird thing where you get like paid over 20 years or something like that nobody Ooh, wants oh no 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 one giant lump sum exactly. of dollars after taxes then yeah. i will eat uncle roger i don't know <laughs> so to any listener who's entertaining that idea i'm cheaper you should offer me the money <laughs> so i'm not gonna go all the way to a million so, uh, yeah, I offer my services. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I, I, I debated ask, actually asking that question. So. <laughs> it's, All right, it's, so, it's Halloween. Anything goes. Exactly. So the last question you had brought up, and I just want to spend a few minutes on this. Um, you had brought up, since you go to Disney all the time and you had actually already been to the Halloween party, um, we have, I've only been there once to the Disney World Halloween party. Uh, what are your thoughts on like the Mickey's not so scary Halloween party? Uh, do you have a lot of fun there? Um, do you have any sort of advice for people or what are your thoughts on it? Basically. So, so a, a tiny bit of backstory there. Coincidentally, one of my uh, former colleagues here at university used to be used to work at the haunted mansion, Disney world. So she grew up uh, around Orlando and she did that as kind of a job. And, the first time I heard about um, Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, which is what they call their Halloween event, was that she told me, she was like, oh, you have a little kid. Once she's around two years old, go to Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. It's the most fun your kid will have in the park. And I'm like, okay. And I sort of took that from somebody who, you know, has worked that event. And then when we went there, yeah, I think my, I think my daughter was like almost three at that point. Um, and... Uh, and and it's true. It's tremendous fun. Um, if your kid can stay up late late at night, because it starts at like seven or something, and then it goes till midnight. Um, they have a stage show there. They have a a, a parade there. Uh, all of it focused on villains. All of it different from the shows in the the parades that you see during the day. They decorate the entire park with like uh, jack o' lanterns and all kinds of stuff. And you get as much candy as you can carry. So you kind of walk through the, through the park and there's like stations there and you can just walk up and you're going to get a handful of candy. And, uh, and so we did that a couple of weeks ago and we still have like all this Halloween candy at home because they just give you as much as you like. And, and it's like my wife makes fun of me because I'm so, uh, I'm so excited about it. And she was like, yes, but you pay extra money for it. Like you have to pay an extra ticket to get there for this event. Of course, you know, don't be so excited about like free stuff for a couple of bucks. Uh, and I was like, and I was like, oh, look at that. They gave us like full size Snickers. You know, how amazing is that? Um, and uh, so it's it's just a lot of fun. You go trick or treating or like at least collecting candy. Oh, and also like the candy, the, the stations where they give out candy, they try to make it interesting as well. Like, for example, one year, one of those stations was inside the uh, Enchanted Tiki Room. 
that you usually go only you can only go into if there's like if you're watching that particular show. Uh, but they basically shut down that show and kind of just you know distributed candy there. This year they had it in the um, in the room where they do the uh, Monsters Incorporated Laugh Floor. Do you know that show? Oh, I I, <laughs> I have a history with that show. I love that. <laughs> I love. I love that show. I've been. I don't. I don't know if you've been up on the screen many times, but I, I always seem to get picked out in the crowd. <laughs> and I'm up on the screen as that guy in that show. Oh yeah. Oh awesome. They're, they're always making fun of them, and yes. I, for some reason, have been up there four or five times. <laughs> have people approached you in the park afterwards? Because uh, it's happening sometimes with other. People. I have. Yes. <laughs> Outside <laughs> of the ride, someone has. Yeah. A couple people have approached me. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So what they did this year was they had that show running, but like a shortened version of it, like none of the uh, pre-recorded video or anything like that. So it's more like a 10-minute interaction and then like five or 10-minute break. Um, and in that same room, they had people giving out candy. So you would basically walk into the into that room, pick up your candy and leave, or you could or you could kind of sit down and kind of watch the stuff for a couple of minutes and then really and then leave. And it was pretty funny because we. We took in like one round. We sat there for 10 minutes. And I mean, a lot of people are wearing Halloween costumes so that the person on screen will have will kind of make fun or have fun with that, basically. And to the lis listeners who don't know what it is, it's basically a it's a it's a stand up show. Um, but you're watching like a computer character on, on screen, like one of the monsters from the Monsters Incorporated franchise. And but they're going to interact with the audience. So it's kind of a technology where somebody just controls that, you know, that that screen or whatever. But it's it, it, for all intents and purposes, it's just a short stand-up show uh, where they're just trying to be funny, and it's most of the time it's it's really hilarious. I like it. Yeah, I, I, it's one of it's one of my favorite things to do there, and I hope honestly they can change up the show a little bit, but I hope it never goes away. Yeah, yeah hopefully. I mean, they have a they try to do a a similar thing for smaller kids where they have a turtle talk with Crush which yeah. is the same technology. And I did that once and I didn't really, or maybe twice, I didn't really kind of get into it because it's more like a dialogue with little kids uh, more than having an actual kind of point to it or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's more geared towards the little kid um, aspect. Um, so with the Halloween party, was it very crowded when you went? Or Oh, yes, that's the thing. So, so that's an interesting point. Yes. This year it was pretty crowded. From what I hear, they upped the uh, like the max number of tickets that they sell, and I don't think that was a good move. So the last couple of years it didn't really feel crowded. Uh, this year it sort of felt crowded, and I didn't I didn't look it up. And my wife looked it up, looked it up. She keeps track of that kind of stuff, and she was like, "Yeah, they, they announced that, or they or people talked about how they they allow more tickets because they got um, sold out earlier and earlier." Uh, so apparently it's just more of a demand and they reacted by by letting more people in. And it used to be that if you had that ticket, if you went to that event, you had a very easy time doing rides because a lot of people are not there for the rides that night. So if you want to do a ride, you could just go there. There's not going to be much of a line. Um, and apparently that's, that's not true anymore. So there were more lines and more stuff. And also like you can meet characters that you cannot meet otherwise. And so you're always going to have lines there as well. And uh, because, you know, that's what people make use of. They go there that night. They want to see that character. And those lines were more excessive this year as well. Like 
um, maxing out at like two hours or two and a half hours, which is oh, nonsense. Wow. Yeah, if you have like a, a ticket for one night, it's just not, you know, it doesn't make sense to do that. And again, for people unfamiliar with the whole concept, if you meet a character, there's just going to be a character in costume and they're just going to take your picture. So it's it's it might sound puzzling why people would wait even like 15 minutes for something like that, let alone like two hours. But especially with kids, they might have the time of their life there, meeting their character, and then the characters will uh, usually interact with them. And sometimes it's like, my, for some Disney trips, it's my favorite uh, moment when like my daughter interacted with one of the characters. Uh, my daughter's the biggest, biggest fan of Princess Tiana from Princess and the Frog. Uh, and, okay. And so, and there was a moment where Princess Tiana and, and Prince Naveen was there, and they sort of took her aside and kind of chatted with her. And, and my daughter was, uh, I think, three at the time. And afterwards, she, she kind of super excitedly told us about, uh, you know, they chatted about their restaurant and all kinds of stuff. And it's just like, it can be a big highlight. So that's really cool. But again, if you're only there for a night, it might not make sense to stay in line for hours and hours. Yeah, when we went last October, it was extremely busy. I mean, it was wall-to-wall people. I mean, when you're lining up and, and trying to watch one of those parades at night that they have, um, I mean, with all the strollers and yeah. um, all of that, it was extremely busy. And I would, I mean, with them um, increasing tickets, I yeah, that's that's crazy. But I, I think it probably depends on when you go. I mean, yeah, the, the earlier it is in the season, because I think they open it up in like early September. Yeah. Um, I'd probably the earlier you go, I'm guessing it's not as crowded and it gets more crowded around Halloween. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, so yeah, I, but I, I, I loved it still. I mean, it was a little stressful with all the people there, but <laughs> I, I absolutely loved the, um, the, uh, the actual nighttime, uh, Halloween parade. Yeah. That, I mean, was, that was probably my favorite part. Yeah. And I mean, uh, even if you just know the park without the Halloween event, you know that they have like this amazing protection against the castle each night. And, and so they do one of the, like they do a fireworks and like castle protection show as well. I don't know if, did they, yeah, they did do that last year as well. Right. Because I think yes. they, had a, they had a new one this year, but, yes, but, but I correct. think it was just, a, yeah. Um, and, uh, and so that's a lot of fun. And uh, the parade is really fun. And the song for the parade, you're going to remember for the rest of your life. It's basically like uh, it's a small world. It's just like etch- <laughs> etched into your cortex for the rest of your life. Um, it's yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I I, I could talk about Disney for hours. And hours. <laughs> yeah, same here. You can do a Disney podcast. I know that's what we, we probably should. We I would I've, I've always wanted to get people on and talk about amusement parks and and their favorite rides and all of that stuff. Um, but that's where I'm going to end it tonight. I mean, <laughs> uh, cause we can keep going on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Dr. Jen Foles, I had a lot of fun, um, uh, having you on, where can people find you? I know you mentioned Twitter earlier, where can, if you want to mention that again, where can people find you on social media or if they want to follow you because you're an absolute pleasure to follow on social media on Twitter. Thank you so much. Yeah, Twitter is by far the best uh, the best place to reach me. And it's at fMRI underscore guy, uh, fMRI for functional magnetic resonance imaging, which is what I do mostly. And um, I, I really don't have much of a social media presence beyond that. But, uh, but I'm always happy to uh, chat with new people on Twitter and kind of interact with people. So yeah, that, that's the best place you can find me. 
And yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Shanks. It was awesome to be here. Big, big fan of the podcast. And yeah, this was a lot of fun. Oh, great. Yeah. And I, I've been thinking about like having people back on and like talking about what they do, like in their research, kind right. of a, kind of a different sort of podcast. Uh, and I'd love to chat with you because you have a fascinating, uh, what you do is fascinating. Yeah. Well, thank um, you so much. I'm always yeah. glad to chat about that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So uh, again, thank you so much for coming on tonight and answering my dumb questions. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you. So I hope you've enjoyed the first Halloween spooktacular at the Nobody Asked You Kevin podcast. I gave you some songs to listen to, some movies to watch, and a spooky discussion and Q&A with rad guest Dr. Jen Full. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, click on over to Twitter at my verified account, at ForensicTalksGuy, or the show at AskedKevin. Uh, on Facebook, you can find me at the Nobody Asked You Kevin podcast page, or you can reach me by email at NobodyAskedYouKevin at gmail.com. You can also leave me a voice message if you want, people. 317-528-0804. Again, 317-528-0804. If you leave me a voice message, I will play them on the show. So full warning right there. So until next time, my friends, stay spooky.